Well, I'd like to give a very warm welcome uh, this morning to everyone here, to everybody watching online. I've just got a, a couple of uh, announcements to make at the start. Um, the first is very straightforward, and that is that there is a small envelope in the, in, uh, by the door in a box there for all the regular members of the congregation. So do please take and uh, do pass them on to others as well to get them flowing out. So that's the simple announcement. Um, the second announcement is less straightforward, and it's to do with the government new guidelines. So we did send an email out to all those on the bulletin list. Um, if you aren't on that list and you would like to be, perhaps you could let Jean Hare know. Jean sends out the bulletin on Saturday so that everyone has that in advance. Um, you'll be aware of the new restrictions that have been introduced this week in response to the, the growing concern about the Omicron variant. And uh, we're seeking to follow those guidelines. So um, basically I've got three points to make. Um, the first is that from this Sunday we do ask that all attending wear face masks, apart from those who are exempt, and uh, the children. Secondly, that in line with uh, government guidelines, uh, people may remove their masks for singing. That's the second point. And then third, as an extra reassurance for those concerned, however, we ask that those on the, the back straight pews downstairs or sitting behind those back straight pews downstairs, both on the socially distant side and uh, on the, the other side by the entrance hall, continue to wear their masks even during the singing. Uh, whilst in some ways taking the, the masks off during singing seems a bit strange, as there's extra projection of air, uh, many may be pleased to, to sing and praise more freely without the masks. And since uh, the government has, has recognised the importance of singing and of singing in places of worship at this time of year. We wanted, therefore, to give freedom and to pass on that freedom to those who wish to. Uh, but we would be grateful if you sat either on the curved pews at the front, these front pews, or in the gallery. Well, we're trying to keep in in, uh, in step with a changing situation uh, our stewards are trying to assess preferences as well. We're grateful for them in dealing with the situation uh, sensitively and uh, uh, carefully. We're also grateful for the way in which they attend to the, the ventilation, get that appropriate for us, and the monitoring devices that they have to make sure that the air quality is good. So that's how we're approaching uh, the guidelines. Wearing face masks in the service may be removed from, 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 from singing, but uh, we ask that those on the back pews downstairs or beyond retain them during the singing time. I hope that's clear. Well, we're going to turn such matters to one side, and we're going to sing our first song this morning. It is a, a song of joy, and it's often sung at uh, this time of year. Interestingly, in uh, the hymn book that we have, or what we used to use, um, it comes under the section of the second coming. So we have two things to keep in mind as we sing praise to God with our first song, Joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her King.
Good morning. Our Bible readings this morning are in the New Testament. We've got three readings. Our first one is in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. In all three passages, the word appear turns up, and uh, that will be connected to the theme of what we'll be thinking about a bit later. So this is Paul's letter to Timothy, and he's just been talking um, about false teachers and about being discontent. And he says to Timothy, verse 11. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, and fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honour and eternal dominion. Amen. And then we're in 2 Timothy, chapter 1, and verse 8 to 12. 2 Timothy 1, verse 8. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Saviour Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. And let's uh, move to Titus. Paul's letter to Titus, our third reading. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 through to 3 verse 7. Titus 2 verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, And let no one disregard you. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, 
to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarrelling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured on us richly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Well, we'll look forward to thinking about those words a bit more later on. But we're going to sing again now, and then afterwards, if the children come up to the front, Mark is going to talk to you. Our second hymn, Christ is come, let earth adore him. God appears in mortal frame. Saints and angels bow before him, praise his high and holy name. Someone's excited to get up the front. Okay, any more coming or is that it? I think that's it. 
Okay, good morning, everybody. You all okay? Yeah, you good. Okay, now, I'm going to get you to do a little bit of reading for me. Is that all right? Yeah, some of you will find it easy. Some of you may be a bit trickier. So, here's the first one. Who can read this for me? Yeah, what does it say? The cat, well done, cat. Yeah. The cat sat on the mat. Very good. Lovely. Okay, so cats. Put your hand up if you like cats. Yeah, a few of you. Okay, what about this one? Okay, who can read this for me? I know some of you can, yeah. The dog barked at the birds. Put your hand up if you like dogs. Yeah, a few more. Interesting. Okay, what about this one? Getting a bit more descriptive now. Oh, yeah, go on. Yeah, the bright yellow sun beamed into the living room window. God, that sounds nice, doesn't it? Okay, what about this one? Yes. And you did a very good job. Excellent. Very good. Okay, so I think you're pretty good at reading. That's about as complicated as it gets for this morning. What about this then? Let's do a little bit of maths. Okay, bit of maths. Hands straight up. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Anyone else? Three add four. Nice, easy one. Yeah, go on then. Seven. Nice and easy. Okay, they do get a little bit harder. Seven plus four. Hands straight up. Lightning. Yep. Eleven. Good. Some of the adults starting to panic a little bit. Okay, what about this one? Twenty-six plus thirty-three. Oh, that was a good three seconds before the hand went up. Yep. Nice. You have a look. 59, okay. What about this one? If you know your time. That was really quick. Yep. 56, good. And this one. Wow, that was super quick. Go on. Not quite. Uh, yes. Should you have a look? 132, very good. Okay, I think we've got one more. Here you go. The two big numbers. Two big numbers. Very good, 600. Look at that, 600. Super, how did you do it? Yeah, 12 times 5 and then multiply by 10. Or you could do 10 times 50 and then add 100. So, different ways you could do that. Very good, I'm very impressed. Your teachers will be pleased. Now, tell me, how did you do that? Because when you were a baby, you couldn't do that, could you? So, how could you do that? You learnt it, and how did you learn it? Yep. At school. So at school, is it right? You go to school and you learn things. Is that right? Yeah? So you learn things at school, and they teach you things. And, you know, one day the disciples, they saw Jesus praying. And they said to Jesus, can you teach us to pray? So just like you need to be taught reading and maths, so you get good at it, the disciples wanted to be taught how to pray. And who knows what Jesus said? When Jesus, when they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray, who knows what Jesus said? Yeah. He did it well. He said, yes, definitely. What else do you think he said? Very good. Anyone got any? Yeah. He did tell them the Lord's Prayer. 
He told them this. This is what Jesus said. He said, this is a good way to pray. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask all the adults to read with me, and you can all read with me as well as we go through it. Is that okay with everyone? So, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Should have bought my glasses, shouldn't I? There you go, the Lord's Prayer. And a lot of you, a lot of you mixed up your words because I think you already know some of the words, don't you? So you know some of the words. And this is a really good prayer. It's Jesus teaching us how to pray. Because praying in some ways is very easy. But often we get prayer wrong. We don't do a very good job of it. So I'm going to very quickly say some good things that you can say in your prayers. Here's the first one. Praise God. This is what Jesus teaches us. Start by praising God because God is big and awesome and he's holy and he's special. So when you start praying, praise God. Don't forget to praise God. Yeah. Okay. Secondly, this is what we can say to God. Please give us the things we need. Because it's God who gives us all the good things we need. And we need to ask God for those things. What else might we say? Forgive us for the things we do wrong and help us to forgive others. Do you forget to say that sometimes? Maybe in prayers you forget to ask for forgiveness? We need to do that, don't we? Because we all do wrong things, even if we don't like to admit it. So we need to ask God to forgive us and help us forgive others. And lastly, help us to do what is right and not do what is wrong. Who finds it hard to do what's right, to do good things? I do sometimes. Who finds it easy to do wrong things? Yeah. So we need God's help, don't we? So those are some really good things to pray. So have a quick read of it on the screen, because I'm just going to say a quick thing to the parents and adults. So just for adults, this is a really good way of just praying with your children. So if you do pray with them regularly, go back to the Lord's Prayer. Think about what's said in it and encourage your children to pray in this way because it covers so much and it's really helpful. This is how Jesus guides us to pray. So thank you, children, and you can go back to your seats. Thank you, Mark. Well, let's pray together now, shall we? Lord God, do teach us how to pray. Lord, help each one of us as we are sat here together this morning. We thank you we can be here. And Lord, do help us to focus our hearts and minds on you now as we pray. Because we come to the great, the living God, and we bow before you this morning. Heaven cannot contain you, nor earth sustain. Your greatness fills the universe. You sustain all of it yourself by the word of your power. And yet you laid aside your majesty. You gave up everything for me, suffered at the hands you had created. You took all my guilt and shame when you died and rose again. Now today you reign in heaven and earth exalted. And Lord, if we're a Christian here this morning, we can say that you did all that for us. In your wonderful grace 
and mercy, in spite of what we deserved because of our sin and open and outward and continual rebellion against you, in mercy you sent your Son to take our guilt, to take our shame. And it was a great success because you died and you rose again in glory and power. And so today we can have every confidence that if we're forgiven, if we're saved, we are safe in Christ. Lord, thank you. And we, we, we bow before you and worship you this morning for that wonderful truth that is not founded on someone's good ideas or our feelings or something we heard of, but on the truth of your word, which always stands the test of time because heaven and earth will pass away, but your word endures forever. Lord God, as we come this morning, we pray that you'd make us like Mary, humbly submissive to your plans for our lives, a joyful and willing servant. Lord, help us to be like Joseph in his faith and integrity, that he believed what the angel said when what he could see with his eyes was very different and very discouraging, and yet he obeyed you. And in faith, he married Mary, even though the scandal that seemed to be, and yet he trusted in you and had faith. Lord, give us that kind of faith. Lord, help us to be like the wise men who who were determined to find the Saviour with every barrier thrown at them, with every difficulty arising. Yet they seek the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've said, Lord, that if we seek you with all of our heart, we will find you. What a great promise that is for those of us here who might be seeking Lord, I pray you give us the peace that Simeon had in his old age and facing death. He could look at that last point in his life with confidence, with rest in you, because he'd seen Christ. And Lord, if we have our hope in Christ, not one ounce of our hope is misplaced. So Lord, strengthen our faith in you that whatever we face this week or next year, we can have a peace that trusts in you. And Lord God, more importantly, we pray that we'll be like Jesus. Lord, we have so much to learn from him. And as your people, we have heard the call of Jesus to deny ourselves and to daily take up our cross and follow you. And Lord, how much we need your help to do that. How much more we need you to transform us into the image of your wonderful son. We will always be learners In this life, help us to be persistent learners who endure to the end. Help us to be focused on that great goal of your second coming. We thank you that you sent your son. But Lord, we also look forward to the day when you will bring all of this to a close and wrap everything up. When your new kingdom will be realised by all your people. Lord, what a great day that will be. Lord, help us not to to be so taken up with the things in this world that distract us, that slow us down, that derail us, that harm us. Lord, give us the eyes of faith, like the people we've been thinking of over the last few weeks, to endure to the end, to fix our focus on you. Lord, help us with that. Each of us have daily and different struggles that we face different temptations, and each week we often take two steps back and one forward. Lord, we ask that you'd help us to be serious with sin in our lives, 
He'd help us to realise that we're in a battle. This is not our home, it is not our rest. But we're moving on. And in your strength we can do all things that we need to do to live a godly life. So Lord, do empower us and strengthen us. Forgive us that so often we try things in our own strength. Down to the small situations and decisions of life. Lord, help us to daily worship you. May our lives be a daily worship where every step of the way, every circumstance, every situation, that there is something to praise you for. Help us to give thanks. Where we need wisdom, help us to call on it of a God who generously gives without reproach. Help us, Lord, when trials and difficulties come, to patiently rest in you, to know your strength. Help those who are sad and lonely. Help those who feel loss and tragedy more recently or in the past. Lord, you know our hearts and we thank you for that. We thank you for your love as, and concern as a shepherd for us. I pray, pray you would lead us and guide us through whatever we might be going through at this time. But Lord, we, we pray this Christmas time you will fill us with the wonderful joy that your son came to earth. Don't let us get too familiar with with this great story or too distracted by all the nonsense around us. But Lord, we, we pray for, if anyone could be happy this time of year, it should be us. And so we want to be full of joy. We want to know the peace and the joy that comes through knowing you. Lord, we thank you for your help so far for us at Forest Fold, for the different events that have already taken place. Uh, as we've, see, we've been looking to share the good news with others through the different ministries of this church. Thank you for those who've been working hard uh, in these different activities. We pray, Lord, for your blessing on them. We pray that your word might have fallen like seed into good soil. And there may be no life for a while, but Lord, we pray that there will be life. We pray that your spirit will be mightily at work, bringing life where there is spiritual death, bringing light where there is darkness. Lord, we pray for this evening. ask that you'd help John as he brings the message. We pray that the people that we've invited will really make the effort to be here. And Lord, we ask that uh, you'll be speaking to them too. Lord, help us to be confident in your truth. If we're your people, you have wonderfully changed us. If you've changed our hearts, you can change anyone's. And so, Lord, we look to you to do the great... The, the great firework, the, the great power work. Lord, we just share the good news, uh, but we look to you for the results. We pray too, Lord, that you would be with other churches. We, we pray for churches that are struggling. Lord, we ask that you would help them during this time. You would strengthen them. You would bless them with encouragement in your word. We pray for the persecuted church across this world where... Those who seek to cause harm will will take the advantage of this time of year to do that. We ask for your restraining hand on them. We pray for your people that they will know peace and encouragement, that they will know joy, that they will know enduring, they'll know and be thankful for your faithfulness towards them. We pray for our friends in Cyprus. Lord, we ask that the opportunities that are coming up for them on Friday and Boxing Day, that you would you would bless those opportunities. Where there's great darkness, Lord, will you shine your great light? Lord, we we want the name of Jesus to be lifted up. He is downtrodden. He is rejected. Right Right from the beginning, he was rejected by his own people. And down to this day, 
Lord, but we know that, as we've read from your word, we know that he is the Son of God. He has the words of eternal life. And so, Lord, we pray that Jesus will be widely known, that many will be brought into his kingdom and for his glory. So, Lord, hear our prayers. prayers. Bless our families. Accept our thanks for your generous giving in our lives. And we pray now, as we hear from your word, that you will speak to us and that you will change us. Amen. Well, let's sing our third hymn together. In hope our hearts rejoice, the hope of Christ's appearing. By faith we see his throne and know his hour is nearing. Well, it's good to be reminded of the coming of Jesus. But I'd like to ask, which one? 
Our title this morning is Living in the Light of His Coming. But the question I want to ask again is, which one? Because there are in fact two comings of Jesus and it's good to be reminded of both comings and it's good to live in the light of both comings. Uh, we call this time of year sometimes Advent, hence the candles in the picture. It was a bit difficult to get a whole calendar on a little image. Perhaps in your house you have an, an Advent calendar. Maybe the children, some of them have got Advent calendars or chocolate Advents. I even heard recently of a, a wine Advent calendar. That sounds quite a, a costly thing to me. And we tend to think of counting down towards uh, remembering the first coming of Jesus. But in fact, in the church calendar, Advent is as much about the second coming as it is the first coming. So this morning I thought it would be good to think about both of those together. It helps us to get into gear towards Christmas as we're approaching it, but it will also give us an opportunity to, to up our awareness of the second coming. And an especially good place to start is uh, 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus. Now you have the word PE up there. Now for most of us, PE is a school lesson which we either love or loathe. We love or hate. But it also stands for pastoral epistles. Pastoral epistles, the three letters of Paul to pastors, to Timothy and to Titus. And I have to tell you, I rather love rather than loathe these letters. And one word that will help us in what we're thinking about this morning is the phrase that's been already mentioned and that is appearance, appear, appearing. And by, by sniffing that phrase out, if you like, in 1 or 2 Timothy, Titus, we will find ourselves thinking about both comings this morning. And in some passages you actually get both of them close together. So a good example is Titus. We're going to be in these letters, so do have them open if you can. Titus chapter 2, verse 11, you get the grace of God has appeared. And then in verse 13 you get uh, blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our... You have both appearing, so almost sandwiched together there in those verses in Titus. We will be coming back to them. Appearing then, something that is revealed, something that is shown, manifest, on display, is uh, the Greek word that we get the word epiphany from. And so our quest this morning is uh, to pursue that word, to think about the two comings, so that we can enjoy them, the truth about them, but also so that they can have an impression on us, and they can affect the way in which we live. So let's go for the first appearing first. And we're going to start with the, the, the next chapter on from which I've just quoted. We're in Titus 3 and verse 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Saviour appeared... So Jesus appears, he's on the scene, the Son of God arrives, he appears. 
And this verse tells us what's behind it. What's behind the appearing of Jesus? Jesus coming to the earth. Some lovely words here. It says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Saviour, appeared. A first appearance involved with God's goodness and his love and his kindness and his grace. So you, you, we give gifts at Christmas and there can be a whole spectrum of motives, can't there? Well, well, we ought to, we ought to give it to them or, or they usually give to us. Uh, but sometimes perhaps there's a real delight in giving. It is an overflow of kindness in your hearts. I think of something I'm looking forward to giving this Christmas. Maybe you can think of something that you've got to pass on. You think you've got it especially in mind. You're looking forward to. Well, as God sends his son Jesus into the world, the motive here is goodness, love, kindness, grace. What does he come to do? Well, we're told here as well. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Saviour, appeared. He's come to save. He's the Saviour. We need saving from our sins. We need saving from our guilt. We need saving from sin's dominion. We need saving from sin's penalty. And Jesus has come as the Saviour. One wonderful verse at the heart of the Gospel, at the heart of Christmas, if you like, is in these pastoral epistles. It's a faithful saying and it's worthy of wide acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Titus 3, 4. So it's about God's grace to save. This first appearing, the coming of Jesus. And Jesus is coming to save is also clear if we go to 2 Timothy and chapter 1 and verses 9 and 10. And that leads on to something equally magnificent. Who saved us, saved still in mind you see, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our, our, our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, saving grace both in there, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which has now been manifested through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus. And it carries on in this way. Our Saviour Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's tremendous, isn't it? The appearing of our Saviour Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's what we're thinking of as we think of the appearing of Christ, his first coming. Now, we, we talk sometimes about the abolition of things, don't we? The abolition of things. You might think of the abolition of slavery and William Wilberforce and all that work. You might think of things what, of, of what you would most like to be um, abolished. You know, if you were able to abolish something, what, what would be top of your list? And you may say, well, I'd just... I'd love to get rid of the child trafficking. You might say, I'd love to get rid of 
abortion. You may say, I'd love to get rid of homelessness. I'd like to abolish it. I'd like it to make it no more. Well, when Jesus came, his coming led to the final abolition of something very, very significant. His coming leads to the abolition of death and its power as it brings immortality and life to light through the gospel. Something to be enjoyed, isn't it? Something to to be amazed at. The coming of Christ, that includes his life, his death, his resurrection, has led to the abolition of death. Death no longer has a clamp over those who put their trust in Jesus. Jesus has come to give life. You get it in 1 John 3, 1 John 4 and verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. Saves from death. Saves from eternal death. And now we come to a to Titus again. Titus 2 verse 11 in tracing this theme of appearing in the the PE, in the pastoral epistles. And uh, we see a similar pattern. God's grace to save again. It's about God's grace. It's about saving. Titus 2 and verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Now, God need not have appeared. You need to remember that. God need not have appeared, if you like. Sometimes we we might find ourselves saying, well, shall I make an appearance? You know, there's a social event on and maybe you're not all that keen on going. But you say, well, shall I make an appearance? Shall Shall I make an appearance? Well, in the divine mind, in the mind of God, in his plan of grace, he decided to make an appearance for his grace to appear, for his son to appear. He said, I will show up, I will save, I will give eternal life out of goodness, out of grace, out of love, out of kindness. It is my delight to save my people. So the grace of God appears. And it brings salvation, it says, to all sorts of people, bringing salvation for all people, a massive range of people experiencing salvation. But this verse, and what follows as well here on this first appearing in Titus, shows us that the first coming of Jesus also should affect us now. Should affect us now. I'm sure there's loads of ways in which the coming of Jesus should affect us now. And which thinking about it at this time of year should sort of permeate our lives, shape us. Thinking of the coming of Jesus is not just something to savour, it is something to shape. It should have its effect on us. 
Jesus has come to save us, not just from the guilt of sin, but increasingly from the pattern of sin in our lives. And here are some of the ways in which it should shape us, for the grace of God, verse 11, has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. So, God's grace coming, the appearance of Christ coming is it's something that trains us. We don't get there in one go. It is constantly at work. And as we contemplate and experience God's wonderful love, it, it feeds through into our lives and it, it makes a difference in our lives. And one of the areas particularly is self-control that comes out in the verses that we have just read. It makes us say, no to things. It makes us rein in some things in terms of ourselves, in terms of the way we are with others, in terms of our attitude to God. Training us to renounce, or one translation has it quite plain, training us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. Now, it's a, it's a good thing to think about at this Christmas time. So Christmas time is a time of, of a lot of pleasure and a lot of enjoyment. And we thank God for that. But it can also be a time of excess passion, lack of self-control, dishonesty. It can be a, a time of too much passion for drink, a time of uncontrolled lust, a time of anger and argument. And Christ has come so that we should be different. And we should remember the kindness and love of God and that should affect our mind and that should rein in and encourage us in the pattern of self-control to not do things which harm others, not do things which harm ourselves, not do things which dishonour God. John Newton said, he was a converted slave trader, I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be in another world. But still I am not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. God's grace, you see, has come in, affected our lives, and it leads to a change. It leads to some reining in of things which are so unhelpful and dishonouring to God. So enjoy the period ahead. But do so in the light of verses 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all men, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. Maybe a good thought to have in the mind, in mind, and the, the heat of Christmas celebrations, in mind of the thick of family tensions, perhaps. So, first appearing, a few thoughts there. We're just going to stop for a few seconds, just roll them over a bit into your mind before we go on to the second.
So we go on to the second appearing. Now, I don't know if you've ever been into Top Trumps. Um, I was when I was young. And uh, one of the categories in the packs that I often had was to, was appearances. I was often into sports, so it was appearances. And some of the players had big numbers. I remember an Ian Callaghan, 857 appearances for Liverpool. I suppose if there are more recent packs, you might have people like Ryan Giggs there, or Stephen Gerrard, or James Milner. High numbers seeming important. Hundreds, over 500 appearances. Well, we don't have that here. It's just two. But just two is enough. Just two is powerful. Just two is all that we need. In fact, the Bible has them, if you like, as bookends on our current age. The Bible talks about the last times, and we sometimes think that's the very, very last days of human history. In fact, it is a description of the period between the two comings of Christ, the gospel age, the last days, first coming, second coming. They bookend our period of history that we're going through. And the pastoral epistles, the PE, mention the second coming. And they do so again with this word appearing. Let's look first at 1 Timothy 6 and verse 14. Here in 1 Timothy 6, Paul tells Timothy to keep being faithful. And he says, keep being faithful until something well, what, what's the until that he's supposed to hold a good confession and be faithful to? Verse 14, 1 Timothy 6, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light. So you see that there is a time in mind, if you like. There is something that is appointed ahead until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which he will display at the proper time. So, we have our calendars. Maybe you've got a diary for next year. We keep our records. We have our plans. There are maybe some dates in there already for next year, holiday or special anniversary, whatever, birthday celebrations. They're in the diary. Well, God has a calendar And if you like, and there is a date in that diary, there is a proper time, and that time is the coming of his son again. And that is, if you like, the final time of human history as we know it. That is final whistle time. It is the great day. There is a time set. We're not told exactly when that day is, but it's something we need to know and be mindful of, that there is a day coming. We're told about it a bit more in Titus 2 and verse 13. That was that sandwich passage with them both in, if you like. We're told what sort of appearing this appointed day is. It says there that we live godly lives in this present age, verse 13, chapter 2, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing 
of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. It is glorious. It is glorious. So, when you think of the first coming of Jesus, um, it is glorious. And there are some glories uh, associated with it. There are some impressive aspects. You think of the, um, what would you think of the, the angels appearing to the shepherds on the hillside, the glory of God shone around. I mean, that must have been glorious. But in general, the events of the first coming are often low-key, often humble, uh, often obscure, often localised. Not so the second coming. The second coming is glorious. Every eye shall see him. We shall see the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Jesus is glorious. Jesus is God. Jesus is Saviour. And when he comes again, it will be plain. It will be broadcast. And what would that be like? If Peter said, when he saw something of Christ's glory down here below, that we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, then what would it be like to see Christ coming again in glory? What a thrill! Once in Royal David City, it'd be our first carol tonight, but it takes this up in one of its later verses. And our eyes at last shall see him through his own redeeming love for that child so dear and gentle is our Lord in heaven above and he leads his children on to the place where he is gone. And Paul has this very much in mind in the last chapter of 2 Timothy. This is our last reference. 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 8 especially, I'm going to pick out. He starts off, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom says in verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. It will be a time of justice. It will be a time of giving account. Uh, This should make us very thoughtful as we think of the second coming, thoughtful if we're not Christians, that we need to be ready for that time. It's something that I think Mark might well pick up uh, next week in his message. It's no good just being ready for Christmas, but not being ready for the second coming of Christ. We need to be safe in him, trusting in Jesus, but it's also a message for us as Christians something for us to be mindful of. Paul wants 
Timothy to be mindful of it. He's urging him to carry out his responsibilities. And he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. So the second coming is also something that affects us now. Something that should shape us now. And it does so in a couple of ways, which I ran out of room to get on. One of the things it will give us is a, if we, if we take it in, if we think, if we live in the light of it, one of the things it will give us is a sense of accountability. A realisation we've got to answer for, to God, that's what that means, a sense of accountability. Timothy's got a, a pattern of life he should be living. He's got a responsibility. It's hard. There are pressures on him. He's to live out a calling from God. It, for him, it's preaching. That's his responsibility. And this is how he's stirred up. I charge you, powerful language, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. So the second coming is a time when Christians, we will answer for our service and our lives. And we should keep that in mind and seek to serve him faithfully. So you're struggling to keep going, maybe, in your responsibility as a parent, as a husband, as a witness, as a a supporter of others, as a good neighbour, as a kind friend, as a generous donor. But and can remember a final answerability, a final account that keeps us going, makes it worthwhile, makes us want to serve him who has given his life for us. So a sense of accountability but we have to be a little bit careful how, how far we take that. Because we do need to remember that overall, the feeling is approaching a day of joy. And so that's what we have in the 8th verse there in 2 Timothy 4. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day and not only to me also but all who have loved his appearing. It's a sense of accountability but also a sense of anticipation. A sense of anticipation. Paul talks about loving his appearing. I can't wait for it. That happened in the Titus reference where it talked about waiting for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ. The blessed hope, the happy prospect, eagerly awaiting. So the second to last verse in the entire Bible is, Come Lord Jesus. Now, a child's anticipation of Christmas is one of the wonders of life, isn't it? Excitement. 
the countdown, the early start on Christmas Day perhaps. I remember when I used to do lessons sometimes, assemblies of, uh, at some of the schools, they say, don't touch the Christmas team too early. We don't want to get them too excited. We try and leave that till a little bit nearer the end of term. Well, Christians should have anticipation and excitement at the thought of seeing Christ, seeing his glory, having him acknowledged, having new bodies, being in a new creation, having no sorrow, having perfect fellowship, having perfect service, having perfect worship. The second appearing. Just a conclusion to make, but first I'll just give you a little pause to mull over some of those things that have come up under second appearing. So we have two appearings in the pastoral letters. Two things to remember, two comings to live in the light of. If you like, two spotlights on our life. We have two spotlights here. They come down on the front. If you have two spotlights, you have a bit of balance. If you come to here or somewhere else where there's two spotlights coming down, and one of the bulbs has gone, it looks a bit strange, doesn't it? There's something strange here. The light's not quite right. In our life, there should be the beam of the first coming of Christ. Perhaps that's quite easy at this time of year. Maybe it's not always easy to get the true sense of it. But there's also the second coming of Christ. I guess that sometimes for us, the bulb has almost gone on one of them, or it's been dimmed down and needs to be turned up Probably, mostly, the second coming. And maybe this little look this morning, wrapping them both together in these pastoral letters, may, uh, may help us to get the balance, may turn up the dimmer on another spotlight so that we live in the life of both comings of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, there's been a a line of thought to the songs so far this morning. The first one had both comings. The second one had the first coming. The third one had the second coming. Our fourth one includes both comings again, as our final song is from the squalo, squalor of a borrowed stable. We start off with the first coming, and when we get to the last verse, you'll realise we've moved on to the second coming. Shall we sing our last song?
Heavenly Father, we do pray that you'd help us to recall and live in the light of the wonderful grace, uh, kindness, uh, love which you have shown in the first coming of Jesus as you sent the Saviour into the world. Help us to live self-controlled lives as your grace works through us, wanting to honour you and do good to others. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to recall and live in the light of the coming of our Lord Jesus for the second time, that coming of glory. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to live with a sense of accountability and anticipation that we might, even in our hearts, knowing the glory ahead, feel that sense of, come, Lord Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.